We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast, the only Packers podcast available 365 days a year and 366 days a year on leap years. Uh, We've officially hit 400 episodes of the show, which is a phenomenal feat in itself. Um, But tonight we have what we think is a really cool show for you. Uh, My name is Maggie Loney, and tonight I'm joined by two incredible guests that I've been wanting to host with forever, uh, Janelle Mackey and Sarah Kelleher. Ladies, how are you doing tonight? I am great. I'm excited to record with you ladies. I think we have a strong team separately, so bringing this all together, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I think this is really cool. I know this is something that we've wanted to try for a little while now, so it's great that before the season kicks the actual season kicks off that we're able to start this and kind of have a special episode. And I'm excited to what we're going to talk about. I'm glad that you said kick things off because it is the perfect segue into the first topic that I want to bounce off both of you tonight, Carly Lloyd and her potential career in the NFL. I would be fully on board with this. I love Carly Lloyd. I love the entire women's soccer team. Um, I think that they are phenomenally talented ladies, um, but I think that we can all kind of agree on that. So what are your thoughts, um, aside from, of course, pretty much all being in agreement that she can't go to the Chicago Bears? Yeah, Yeah. I think it would be interesting 
interesting to see, obviously, if this is something that seriously happens, which I'm all on board. I think boy or girl, as long as you can kick, you should be able to play because there's a lot of boys who don't know how to kick through, through the upright. <laughs> so I think it would be phenomenal, but it would be interesting kind of how it would shift her career, her life, because obviously you can't just go play soccer and then on Sundays come kick field goals and you have to make sure she's consistent. So I think as long as the talent's there and the work ethic, I think it would be a really phenomenal thing to see come in and kind of show the boys how it's done. Yeah, my brother, oddly enough, actually texted me the other day and he sent me a screenshot of the news and how people were saying that she's seriously considering possibly taking that route. And it was really funny because he was like, I already know that in five years, somehow the Packers are going to lose to the Bears because Carly Lloyd hit like a 50-yard field goal. And it was just really funny. And we were talking about it, kind of like what we were saying. And it would be different. And I'm very interested to see if she does pursue that route, what ends up happening. I grew up watching her and watching that entire team play. So I think if anyone is going to make that leap and kind of be the first to have that title and being a woman kicker in the NFL, I think it's definitely it could be her and that she has a following and the right people in her corner and behind her. So, I mean, as long as it's not the Bears, like we were saying, I think it would be really, really awesome to see something like that happen. I feel like if she were to come to the Bears and the Packers were to lose a game to the Bears, I would have like really conflicted emotions, you know, because I'd be so proud of her and what she accomplished, but I'd be like, really? Like, Against the Packers, it had to be against the Packers. So I'm just hoping that we're never put in that situation. I know people will say that it's different with pads on, and I'm sure it is. Honestly, I would like to see her put pads on and try it again just to shut people up that say she only did it because she was in shorts. Um, Maybe we can get, like, Aaron Donald to fake rush at her, you know, (laughs) so she can get some experience. But I would be fully on board. We don't want her to get hurt. (laughs) We'll give her, like, Bakhtiari in front of her then, so at least it's fair. Yeah, and I think I think people are saying, too, like, she kicked it so low, or if, you know, people were there, they would have blocked it. But, I mean, she's a soccer player. She's used to kicking the ball a certain way. She easily had the distance to hit the field goal in the video that was all over the Internet. So, I mean, if she just works a little bit and tweaks things a tiny bit, it's not going to take much for her to be able to do it in a game setting, like people were saying. So I think some of the criticism that comes there. It, it's really not too much of a worry, and it's something that she could easily, I think, adjust. And it's just the way that she kicked was how she's used to kicking. And it's not unusual for a soccer player to be a field goal kicker for a football team. I mean, a lot of high schools do that. They take soccer players on Friday nights, and they kick field goals. So it's not uncommon because, obviously, the thing they're best at is kicking. So they have a lot of leg strength. So like you said, just kind of – tweaking little things here and there, getting used to certain situations. It's not, like, something so unusual that it can't happen. It's a possibility, but like you said, it's something that obviously has to be worked on. You can't just jump in and start kicking field goals. But with practice, like anything you do, it could come. Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the important things to discuss is just, like, the progress that the NFL is making. I mean, there's so many female assistant coaches now, and just five years ago that would have been unheard of. So to think about someone like Carly Lloyd even being in the conversation as being up there with, like, the skill level that it takes to be an NFL kicker is progress, and it makes me happy. Um, But I think before we lose half of our audience, um, we should segue into some Packers football 
Uh, the Packers had their annual luncheon yesterday, and uh, per usual, the quarterbacks led by Aaron Rodgers brought it in the costume game. Uh, Janelle, I know you have some pretty um, happy thoughts about uh, the costume, so I'll let you take it over from here. Yeah, I mean, Happy Gilmore, anytime it's on TV, it's on at my house. Even when it's not, it's on DVD running on a, on the DVD player. So to see them all walk out, uh, Rogers as Hallel, and then Boyle, he made a pretty good Happy Gilmore. I think they nailed the costumes, and then Wilkins as the caddy and Kaiser as Chubbs. I think they nailed the outfits. If you go on Packers Twitter, you can kind of see the side-by-sides, and they're pretty good, but I think Rogers, his mustache was perfect for the role. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think the mustache just completed the whole look. I mean, that was the first thing I noticed. I was like, the mustache is everything for that. 90% of the time that I see that mustache on Aaron Rodgers, I'm like, it's a no for me. But <laughs> for that case, it was definitely a good thing. He finally put it to good use. <laughs> exactly. I was personally really hoping that uh, the four quarterbacks would walk out as the Purple Cobras from Dodgeball. I thought this was the perfect opportunity to do that. Um, you know, but maybe that's something that, that when Matt LaFleur is no longer limping, they can get him to participate in next year. <laughs> um, but I will have my fingers crossed um, for some type of Dodgeball costume before Matt LaFleur's tenure in Green Bay is over. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but if we segue into the QB position battle... Um, we have Tim Boyle and Deshaun Kaiser, you know, kind of up in the air for who might garner that QB2 spot. Uh, we could talk about Manny Wilkins. I feel bad not talking about him, uh, but he's had five attempts in all of his three preseason games combined. So it doesn't really seem like he has a shot at QB2 unless uh, Brian Gutekunst is just completely pulling the wool over our eyes and he's like a star in the making behind the scenes. Um, so, I don't know, Sarah, who would you take after tomorrow or, you know, once the preseason is over as your QB2, Boyle or Kaiser? I think right now I just have to say Kaiser. I mean, for me, both of them, it's really tough because I just haven't seen anything super impressive from either of them where I'm comfortable saying, okay, if something happens to Aaron Rodgers, if the backup needs to come in, the Packers will be okay. At this point, it's, if the backup comes in, I'm really worried about potentially what could happen. I think Boyle has had a really great preseason and he's looked pretty well for him in camp and in some of the preseason games, especially last week after he kind of got comfortable. He started off slow. He was able to find a little something, find a rhythm. But with Kaiser, we know what we're going to get. It's not great, but we know what's going to happen. Boyle has this more of a unpredictable side to him. And I think he could potentially get there, but right now we just don't know enough, so I'd have to go with Kaiser. And Janelle? Yeah, so I think maybe it's just because Kaiser, he was a second-round draft pick. Uh, maybe my standards are a little higher for him than they are Boyles, who was undrafted in 2018. But I think I would have to go with Boyle because I just every time I see Kaiser go out there, I just feel so disappointed because I expect so much from him. Um I think Boyle has a lot of potential that maybe is still in the works, but I, we've seen Kaiser come in when Rodgers goes down, and it's not really he's not really someone I feel like I can trust. I don't know how much I can trust either of them at this point because they both have their highs and their lows, but 
Kaiser kind of gives me a Hunley feel, which isn't always the greatest feeling. So I think at this point I would have to go with Boyle. Yeah, I'm really conflicted about them both. Um, I know Andy Herman would say that there is one right option here. Um, <laughs> if you compare their numbers, uh, Tim Boyle has a preseason passer rating of 113, which is really good. Uh, Kaiser has a 73.8, which is subpar. Boyle has thrown five touchdowns and no interceptions. Um, he's made 51 attempts, only taken one sack. Kaiser's had one touchdown and one interception, um, and his one touchdown was a high ball to uh, Darius Shepard. His completion percentage is lower, his attempts are lower, and he's taken more sacks. Um, so I get the argument that Kaiser has a higher ceiling, but if you're looking for dependability and just you know a straight shot, I think Tim Boyle has kind of demonstrated that he can be a more reliant or resilient option. Um, I don't think really that you want either of them to be your solution long term, um, but as most of Twitter has pointed out over the last couple weeks, there are very few really solid backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, For most teams, if your starting quarterback goes down, your season's over, unless you have Nick Foles, and now he's gone too, so the Eagles would be out of luck. Um, I would lean Boyle, but it also wouldn't shock me to see Boyle and Kaiser both stay on the 53, just so the Packers can develop them both further. Yeah, I could see them keeping three quarterbacks. So... I guess the main purpose of this episode that we've kind of uh, been working towards all night is a couple of position battles that we're interested in going into this final matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs tonight at 7 p.m. at Lambeau Field. Um, So, Sarah, what is your position battle to watch, and who are you thinking uh, maybe comes out on top of that battle? So a position I've been looking at all preseason pretty much has been the running backs for the Packers. I think running back one and two with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams is 100% set in stone. But both of them have had a history with injuries and getting, you know, nicked up in the middle of the season now and then. So it's very possible that a third running back will have to make a significant impact at some point in the season for the Packers. And so it comes down then to Dexter Williams, who is a rookie, and Trey Carson, who has a lot of experience but has never been over-the-top spectacular. And so I definitely think that either one of them could be the guy, but I'm leaning a little bit more towards Williams. I know it's a little bit of a gamble, but I think it's a risk that's worth taking. I think in the end he's a more explosive player and he can kind of find the gaps and hit the holes faster than Carson can. And Carson kind of like with Kaiser, you know what you're going to get. It's not necessarily the greatest thing ever, but I think Dexter Williams has a lot of potential. And, you know, this year might not be the year, but in a few years, if they can build him up, if he can learn from Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, I think he could be a really great fit in that role. So that's definitely something I would point out to pay attention to, and um, we'll see what happens, I guess. Janelle, what are your thoughts on the running back battle? Yeah, I think I've mentioned it on previous recordings, but Dexter Williams is definitely someone who has stood out to me among the whole team uh, in the preseason games, although he does have a couple mistakes. Everybody does. It's preseason. But like Sarah said, I think he has a lot of great potential. And from what I've seen, I just want to see him get better, and I would love to see more of him. So I think if they do decide to go with three running backs, which – 
it'll be interesting, especially since they brought the fullback back this year. So it's hard to say kind of how that'll all pan out with that new position coming back. So if they do three running backs, I think Dexter Williams is definitely somebody who I'd love to see out there. Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with both of you. I think that right now the the conversation that the front office is having is who's ready now versus who's ready later. Uh, so Trey Carson is a guy that you can plug in, and he'd be a reliable third running back. Um, but like you mentioned, he's kind of reached his ceiling already. You know what you're getting out of him and what you can expect. Um, so as a rotational backer, he's more than fine, um, but he's not going to have the same ceiling that Dexter Williams does. Uh, I know we say that Dexter Williams has maybe a little bit of a leg up giving his draft status, um, but I also think that Brian Gutekunst has proven in his now second year as a GM that he doesn't put as much stock in draft picks as Ted Thompson did. Um, he's made quite a few mistakes in preseason and training camp, but he definitely does have explosive talent. Um, he's gotten praise from the coaches as the preseason has worn on, so I think that you have to take the gamble that he may not be ready now, but when he does get ready, uh, maybe in the middle of the season, or hopefully for a playoff push at the end of the season, um, he'll be a guy that you can rely on. Uh, so I'm in agreement with both of you. I think it has to be Williams at running back. Um, Janelle, what would your position to watch be, and who do you think comes out in this loaded position group? Because I think you took the hardest position to sort out. Yeah, so in previous episodes, we've talked a lot about wide receivers, and there's currently 11 on roster. And just looking at the list, there's only four that I would say I have for sure secured their spot. Obviously, Devontae Adams, and then I'd also take MVS, Allison, and Kumaro as kind of the four secured spots. And then the guys that I kind of knocked off the list as, okay, well, they haven't really done anything, and I could see them getting cut are Jermon Moore, Tio Redding, and Malik Taylor. So that leaves four guys who are kind of just up in the air, a lot of question. Uh, the first one I'll start with is EQ, because we haven't really seen as much as we thought we would for him for this preseason. And plus, he has a new sprained ankle, which could leave him out for five to six weeks. So it's kind of making me wonder if this injury is going to cost him his roster spot, especially with other players coming in, which kind of transitions into Lazard, who is the same exact height. He's 6'5", which makes him a huge target. And he has obviously had a lot of success this preseason. He's been kind of one of those have-to-watch guys. So you kind of wonder if EQ is going to lose his spot because the height thing was kind of something I was looking at. You want to make sure you have big targets. So to have Lazard come in at 6'5", and then you lose EQ, you kind of wonder if he'll replace him. And then other guys, obviously, Darius Shepard and Trevor Davis, they're kind of in the same boat here. I'd say, again, the height thing, like Darius Shepard is the shortest guy on this receiver core. He's 5'11", but I think he has shown a lot that he is more than just his height in this preseason. I think he's shown a lot of great qualities. And when I watch Trevor Davis, although he did have a great game against the Raiders, I kind of wonder if, we just would take him and he would just be the return guy. So it's kind of like wondering, do we want to bring a guy on the 53 just for him to return when you could probably have someone like Darius Shepard do that too, as well as be a receiver. So those are kind of the four guys that 
I think everybody really needs to watch. Well, obviously EQ, you can't watch. So the three guys <laughs> that you have to watch in this upcoming game, and I think they're the ones that are really fighting for a spot. And we don't know how many receivers they'll take. They did just let go of Josh Jones, so you wonder if that opens up a receiver spot, if they let him go so that they could keep more receivers. It's kind of hard to tell. So I think Shepard, Lazard, and Davis all have to really have a big game, and it'll be interesting to see from me who stands out because I know a while back with Dan and Matt we talked about well, obviously EQ has a spot, uh, but we don't really know much about the Shepherd guy, so will he really have a chance? And now it's kind of reverse, so I think it'll be really interesting for sure. I think they all have a lot of great talent, but there's only so many spots. I would love to see, like you said, multiple guys make it, but there's only so many spots. I think um, that Darius Shepherd has been probably the biggest surprise for me so far just I didn't really know anything about him he was undrafted unsigned um and he really came in and brought it in all of these preseason games so far and you know there is what what's going on with EQ and with his injury and could that open up a spot I feel like if the injury isn't super serious and he's able to come back midway through the season then he's still gonna win that roster spot and it's just unfortunate because I think there's a lot of potential and sadly, a decision has to be made. But um, And same with uh, Lazard. They just have really brought it. And Kumaro, I know as well, people were really hyping him up. He'd been hyped up in the past, but then nothing came out of it. And this year, it kind of seems like he finally stepped over you know, the step he needed to. So it's just been a really interesting preseason, especially for that group of guys. And I'm really curious to see what they end up doing, how many they end up keeping, and really what's going to happen with that, because I think, like you said, the first couple spots are secure, and we know that, but it's the end. Who's Who do they see that future development with? And I'm just, at this point, I you think it's one person, but you never know what they're thinking. Yeah, I think the thing that I keep coming back to is, you know, these position battles are really fun, but like you both mentioned, we're kind of looking at who the receivers would be, maybe five, six, and seven on the roster. So will these players really get a ton of playing time? Will they be more special teams gunners? Um, Are they there, you know, as injury security? Um, I look at, you know, the game against the Cardinals in the playoffs a couple years ago when we had uh, Jeff Janis, Jared Aberderis, and Trevor Davis as our starting uh, receiving core. And, you know, it's kind of funny to think, like, could Alan Lazard, Darius Shepard, and Trevor Davis be the big three, you know, if Aaron Rodgers needed them to? Um, So that's kind of what I think about um, is who of the players could step up in game time situation against the ones um, or against really strong defenses. Um, To me, another question is whether or not um, Equinemius will end up on injured reserve. I mean, do the Packers cut their losses knowing that he could theoretically come back in four to six weeks, um, but they have to keep him gone for eight weeks? Or do they maybe, you know, bite the bullet and keep him on the active roster as a game day inactive so that they can have him back sooner? And I think that is going to kind of determine how the Packers feel about that bottom half of the receiver's room. Um, If I had to pick, I think I would take Darius Shepard and Trevor Davis over Alan Lazard. Um, But Alan Lazard, I would love to have back on the practice squad because I think that you probably can't go wrong rounding out your roster with any of those three names um, or any two of those three names. 
so the position that I selected then um, for my position battle to watch um, is the safeties. Um, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage are your starters. Obviously, we know that already. Um, Raven Green is your third safety. Um, and he's basically a roster lock already, especially with the versatility he has now as a hybrid inside linebacker, given all the injuries to that inside linebacker position. Um, you know, the Packers released Josh Jones earlier in the week. Um, so that means that they're still in need of a fourth safety. Um, they brought back Ibrahim Campbell, uh, but right now he's on the physically unable to perform list and he likely won't be available to start the season. Um, so to me, they're not going into the season with three safeties, um, which means that there's about um, three guys battling for that last spot. You have Natrell Jamerson, uh, who was a Badger, um, claimed by the Packers at the end of the 2018 season. Um, Will Redmond, who has looked really good in the preseason already, um, had a fumble recovery that was forced out by Raven Green. Um, he also ended his 2018 on Green Bay's injured reserve. Um, and then they have Trey Matthews, who also spent time on Green Bay's practice squad last season. Um, so there are three players who all have seen a little bit of time in Green Bay, whether on the practice squad or the regular season, um, being active for maybe one or two games. Not a ton of experience there. Uh, they're all relatively young guys behind Campbell. Um, but again, I'm not thinking Campbell will get the start. Um, all three of these guys have their upside. All three of them are likely practice squad candidates if they don't make the roster. But I think if I had to pick one player to be my uh, fourth safety going into the season, it would be Will Redman because to me, every time I've been able to watch a preseason game or, you know, read things about training camp, his name has been the name uh, that has really stood out. But I will note that if you look at the Packers unofficial depth chart, Jamerson is higher on the list. Uh, so, Sarah, I guess what are your thoughts on the safety position? How many safeties do you think the Packers will even keep? Um, and do you think that one of those three guys is a lock, or do you think maybe they'll trade for someone? Uh, I think they end up keeping four or five. Um, I kind of am leaning a little bit more towards Jamerson, just because from the depth chart that we've seen so far, it seemed like he kind of had the one up on some of the other guys. But it's hard to tell what they're going to do and who if they're going to potentially trade. So from what I've seen so far, I'm kind of leaning towards him. But it's still early and a lot could still happen. Yeah, I kind of agree with Sarah on that one. And the safety position, it's a little trickier to watch than the wide receivers and the running backs. It's a lot more um, nitpicky kind of thing to figure out which one you're going to take. Uh, yeah, these are a lot of young guys, and they all have a lot of potential. But uh, like it was stated, Jamerson kind of has the one up there. And I think just because of past years, I think they will probably keep one or two extras just in case. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out, and it'll be kind of tough because it is a hard position to watch and decide, aside from your starters, like who's going to be the backup. So I think they're definitely people that we have to watch in this last preseason game. Uh, one other position I guess we can touch on quickly, uh, because we were lucky enough to have news break while we were recording this podcast. Um, the Packers have traded outside linebacker Reggie Gilbert to the Titans for a seventh-round pick. Um, I know Reggie Gilbert was kind of the odd man out in the outside linebackers room with Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Kyler Fackrell, and Rashawn Geary as, you know, the solid four. 
Um, but any thoughts on maybe what Reggie Gilbert uh, could have contributed? Did you think he was going to make the 53? Um, did you think that he likely would have been cut anyway? Uh, Janelle, what are your thoughts on the Reggie Gilbert news? Um, I think Reggie Gilbert, he might have been practice squad, might have been cut. Uh, I think it's probably the best option to get something out of him. All those other linebackers and outside linebacker-wise, he's kind of on that third string. So I think when you look at who's in front of him, trying to get something out of it was their best option. Yeah, I absolutely – I think this is honestly a win for them. I didn't see him making 53, and the fact that they ended up getting a pick out of it, I know it's a seventh round, but that's better than nothing. And so I see that as ultimately a win. They're able to – let go of someone that they're not necessarily probably moving in the same direction as, and then they're able to pick someone that they actually want to pick and that they think is going to fit into their system better. So I, when I saw this during our episode, I was thrilled, and I thought this was a step in the right direction for them for sure. Yeah, especially, like, you see the way they attack. Like, obviously they got the Smiths, and then they drafted Gary Fackrell coming off of a hot year. There's a lot of guys who we're really fighting for that spot and a lot who will probably get cut. So yeah, even though it's a seventh rounder, I think it's awesome to get something out of it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think um, what I'll miss most about Reggie Gilbert is his name because Reggie Gilbert wearing number 93 is just about the perfect Packer. It's like you went on create a player in Madden and just designed um, this Packer uh, linebacker. Um, But Honestly, to me, Reggie Gilbert is another example of a player who a lot of fans were high on, including myself. I absolutely adored Reggie Gilbert in the preseason. I took to Twitter and demanded that he make the 53-man roster um, for the last two seasons. Um, And then when he was on the 53-man roster, he didn't really show up on game day. You know, so it's kind of one of those things where not every player that we see tonight or that we saw throughout the season or the preseason that looked really good will translate that into regular season games. Um, So he's my reminder of that. And I agree with both of you that I think it was great for the Packers to be able to turn that around for a draft pick uh, because we know how much the GM loves to stock his draft picks. Um, Before we wrap things up, let me ask both of you how uh, the Pack-A-Day faithful can follow your work. Sarah, how can Packer fans find you on Twitter? So I'm on Twitter at Sarah Kelleher 4. There's a lot of Packer stuff, but apologies. There's also some UCF stuff in there as well as I go to UCF and cover the football team there as well. So it's about 50-50 split um, with information there, but the articles that I put out for Cheesehead TV and links to the podcast that I'm on and typically the daily episodes for Pack-A-Day, you can find there. And Janelle, you are also a busy lady. Tell the people where they can find your content. Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Big Mac underscore four. A lot of Packers content with uh, season rolling around. Later on, you might get annoyed when hockey season starts because <laughs> I definitely love watching hockey. And I recently started writing about high school volleyball. So if you're in Minnesota and interested in that, that's what you'll be reading a lot of too. I am Maggie Loney. Uh, I just changed my Twitter handle, so you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. And I also write for Cheesehead TV. Um, I cannot say enough wonderful things about Sarah and Janelle. I highly recommend that you follow them and absorb all of their content because they are knowledgeable 
incredible women, and I'm very grateful that the three of us were finally able to record an episode together. Um, so, as always, go pack, go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.